I'll give you another shot at that. How many of you love Jesus today? Come on, take 10 seconds and get God your biggest, baddest praise. Come on, lift up your voices and magnify the name of our risen Savior. There's only one name given under heaven whereby men and women and children can be saved, the name of Jesus. It's great to be here with my bride of 26 years. If you guys remember Brother Bailey, how prophetic he was, he walked to my office one day and he said, oh, honey, the Lord gave me 10 things about your future wife and, and I want you to write them down. And so I wrote them down. I'm like, who will ever qualify? I think he was trying to keep me single so I could work for him uh, 100 hours a week for the rest of my life. So I was like, what in the world? Uh, so she's got to have, you know, like the wisdom of Solomon, uh, the beauty of Esther, you know, and like be as righteous as Isaiah, you know, and I was like, who could ever find such a woman? And I found her uh, in Honduras. And uh, yeah, so just so grateful. Uh, one of the things Brother Bailey taught me was how to hear the voice of God. 17 years old, he invited me into the Holy of Holies, which was called his, uh, his master bedroom. And uh, like you, you went in there with bells around your feet just in case you didn't come out alive. And uh, I went in there fearing and trembling. And, and uh, he said, I thought we could pray together for an hour, honey. And I said, oh, okay, honey. You know, and uh, so I said, all right. So he said, why don't you lead us in prayer? I'll never forget he had this blue, blue uh, upholstered kind of rocking chair. And he sat there and I sat on his sofa. And he, so I, I prayed fire from heaven, you know? And so I got a little passion in me. I'm half German, uh, half Hispanic, which just means I got all kinds of anger issues, okay? So pray for me. But, but I, got, I got a little fire in me. So I was like, Father, I pray your Holy Spirit come down. We pray revival in Jesus' name. God, we bind and break every demon in hell. God, we call forth every angelic spirit to come forward and bring revival, bring blessing. And we pray for all the missionaries of Zion. And in six minutes later, I prayed everything I knew. And so I was like, in Jesus' name. And, and I looked over and... He was just sitting there, his eyes closed, no amen, no breast God. And I was like, well, okay, anyhow, you know. And so uh, a few minutes later, he knelt down beside his chair. So I knelt beside his sofa. I thought, well, if he's going to kneel, I'm going to kneel. And 54 long minutes went by. He didn't say a word. And if you knew him, he was always on time. 54 minutes later, one hour to the second, he, you know, he didn't, I didn't see him look at his watch. He got back up and sat in his chair. So I sat up in my chair and uh, he said, well, that was lovely, dear. I was like, that was miserable. <laughs> and uh, I said, okay. And he said, what did the Lord speak to you? Uh... Yeah, you know, about revival and uh, Psalm 2.8, asking me, I'll give you nations. And what did God speak to you? And he had seven major downloads, you know, like incredible revelations. And uh, he shared them with me. And he's like, well, thank you for praying with me. That was lovely. And I got up and walked out. And it took me about a month before I worked up the courage to go back to him. And I said, uh, can you teach me how to do that? He said, do what? What you did that day that we prayed in your room. He goes, what did we do? He goes, you had seven downloads. How did you? I said, I had like nothing. You know what? How did you get that? He said, oh, honey, it's really easy. 
If you actually be quiet and let God do the talking, he'll talk to you. Message received. <laughs> so we would pray together often and for an hour and nobody said a word. <laughs> and so the next time we prayed together, I got invited and I didn't say a word. And an hour later, I was like, give me some revelation. I don't care how small. I don't care how simple. I don't care if it's about my left pinky. Lord, please give me a revelation because I do not want to finish that hour without a revelation, you know. And so the Lord was merciful and gave me a revelation. I shared it with me. He goes, oh, that's very profound, honey. And I was like, I don't know if it was profound, if you're just being nice, but at least God spoke to me. That's how I learned how to hear the voice of God. It was baptism by fire. I did not dare show up again and not hear the voice of God. And, uh, you know, it, it served me well all these years. And uh, not knowing the Lord would call me to lead a global prayer ministry, but I learned it in Brother Bailey's bedroom, how to hear the voice of God. So I'm so grateful. So grateful for your pastors. Um, I remember Brother Bailey calling me from Australia, said, hey, talk to one of my sons, Tuck. And, and uh, you know, we, we talked and we worked with Reaping on many publications and books. And uh, so I've had a love in my heart for Cornerstone for many years. And I began praying for Singapore 31 years ago. I pray for Singapore every day for 31 years. And I believe that God's chosen your nation, not only to be the Antioch of Asia, but to be the Antioch of the world. Billy Graham came here many years ago and said that it, Singapore would be the, single, the Antioch of Asia. I believe that. I believe you fulfilled that purpose. The Bible says if you're faithful and little, not that Asia is little, but if you're faithful and little, God will give you more. God's a God who always promotes and I believe that God is expanding Singapore's call to be the Antioch of the whole world. If you can receive that, if you can believe it, you can receive it. Amen. Give God a shout of praise. Stand to your feet this morning. I want to read the word of God with you. Here's the issue that we face today. There's now 8 billion people in the world today. Most of them do not know Christ. There are 8 billion people now in this world. For the first time in history, a few months ago, the world population topped 8 billion. Depending how you count it, there, there could be upwards of 2 billion uh, people that call in the name of Christ. Are all of them born again? I don't know. Only the Father knows that, right? And the angel who holds the Lamb's book of life, only the Father would know how many of those are born again, have, have their names written in heaven. I don't know what that number is. The Father knows. But there are about 2 billion people that would, that would, that would say they believe that Jesus is the Savior. Uh, but, but that leaves at least 6 billion and maybe more that have not yet been born again. And Jesus, if I read the Bible correctly, his blood was shed for every single one of them. Not all of them will be saved, but all of them are invited into salvation. Do you believe that? That his blood is powerful to save from the uttermost, from the, Brother Bailey should say, from the guttermost to the uttermost, that God wants all people saved. So I, and, you know, we have, we have the power to change that. There are many millions of people in Singapore that don't know Christ. God's given you the power to change that, and it all starts with prayer. Come on, somebody. See, prayer is the catalyst. <laughs> prayer is the fire that ignites your heart. Permission. And we see this in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Paul said, I urge then, first of all, that petitions and prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for all people. Say it with me. Say all people. 
Come on, say it like you believe it. Say all people. For kings and all those in authority that we live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants, say it with me real loud, to be saved. Who does God want to be saved? What does the Bible say? He wants all people to be saved. Either the word of God is true or it's all false. If we are ever to find one verse of the Bible that were false, the whole thing falls apart. Either it's all true or it's all a lie. You can't have part of lie in the truth. And I believe that God's word is inspired by the Holy Spirit. That in its original form, there is no inaccuracies. It's all true. It's the word of God. In fact, Jesus is the word made flesh. He is the word of God. And so this has to be true then. That it is the Father's heart that all would be saved. We know that not all will be saved. Not all will respond to grace. But it is the Father's desire that all would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there's one God and one mediator between God and mankind. The man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for us. Say it with me real loud. All right, touch your neighbor and say all people. All right, slap your other neighbor with in love and say all people. Give somebody behind you a high five and say all people. Raise your hands to heaven right now. Lift both your hands and say all people. Who does God want saved in Singapore? Who does God want saved in India? Who does God want saved in Malaysia? Who does God want saved in Sri Lanka? Who does God want saved in the whole world? Okay, one more time. As loud as you can, say all people. In Jesus' name, give two people a high five and you can grab your seats in Jesus' name. Now, you might not be able to tell, but at my heart, I'm an evangelist, okay? And I want to see all people saved. The Bible said in Joel and again in Acts and again in Romans, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Discipleship is complex and complicated. My wife, Mercy, has her doctorate degree. Uh, she's a professor of discipleship at Regent University under Pat Robertson and his son, Gordon. She's been trying to disciple me for 26 years now with very little success, but keep praying for her that she will have more success over the next 26 years. Discipleship, spiritual growth, being transformed in the image of Christ, it's complicated. Salvation isn't, okay? It's very simple. Do you believe that Jesus is the Savior? Are you willing to repent of your sins? Come to Jesus in your sin. Come to Jesus with your sin. Are willing to leave your sin at, the, sin at the foot of the cross? It's that simple. The Bible says, everyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. It really is that simple. Because salvation is about what Jesus did. It's not about what you did. It's about what he did. See, religion, you could say, is the word do. It's what you do to work your way to God, to earn salvation. But Christianity is not religion. It's a relationship. And it can be summarized in one word, done. <laughs> it's what Jesus did on the cross. He said, it is finished. In that moment, your salvation was purchased. The salvation of everyone who gets saved was finished in that moment. And it's simple faith, Lord, I believe that you are the Savior. 
Whether you come from a Buddhist background, Muslim, Hindu, atheist, Catholic, Baptist, it don't matter. Everyone is welcome in God's kingdom if we will come through his son, Jesus. Are you with me today? Jesus loves people. On the cross, on his worst day, when he purchased your salvation, right before he gave up his last breath, he wanted to lead one more person to salvation, and he led the, the, the thief on the cross. He said, tonight, in a few minutes, you'll be with me in paradise. God wants to ignite your heart today for mission. Of the fine made purposes of the church, we can do all of them in heaven except one of them. There's one thing you don't get to do in heaven anymore, and that's called evangelism. Because everyone there is saved. We're going to continue to worship in heaven for all of eternity. We're going to continue to grow in discipleship. The Bible said in the ages to come, he will reveal the riches of his glory. It's going to take all of eternity to scratch the surface of what the Bible says. <laughs> the treasures of the Bible, it take all of eternity to scratch the, barely the surface of what it will learn forever and ever. We will grow in knowledge and glory of the Lord forever. We will worship at his footstool forever. We will serve. We will have functions. Heaven is, is an empire. It's a kingdom. And there are functions. There are roles in heaven. You will have a purpose in heaven. But there's one thing you can't do in heaven, and that is share the gospel with someone far from God. So of all the purpose, this is the most urgent because it comes with a time expiration. And there are people you know in your circle far from God. There are friends of yours. There are family members. There are neighbors. There are coworkers. There are teammates. There are classmates. There are acquaintances that are far from God. And God wants to use you to bring them to the feet of his son. And I'll tell you, it's, it's simpler than you think it is. Evangelism is not complicated. Discipleship is. Evangelism is not. It's simply sharing the good news of God, the gospel through your story of what Christ has done in you. So today, I want to ask the Holy Spirit to ignite a fire in your heart to lead people to Jesus, and that the rest of your life, you would lead people to Jesus. Because God wants how many people saved? He wants you to share your faith with who? With? Because he gave his life as a ransom for. So about three years ago, there was a group of people that came together, a group of global leaders, and they said, what if 1 Timothy 2 is true? What if we took this as a command, not as a suggestion? And what if it was really true that God wanted all people, all 8 billion to be saved? Then that means that's on us to share the gospel with 8 billion people. How would we do that? And we said, well, it would start with prayer. Because he said, pray for them because God wants to save. What is the apostle Paul saying? He said, if you don't pray for them, they won't get saved. After Brother Bailey, I had another spiritual dad, a gentleman named Dick Eastman. And uh, he said this in one of his books. He said, when you get to heaven, you realize that everyone who is there was a result of somebody's prayer. That's how it works. Prayer is what softens the human heart to respond to the gospel. So we got to pray for them because God wants them to be saved. So my first challenge to you is who are you going to pray for? Could you think of at least one person, maybe two, maybe up to five people you know that are far from God, and would you begin to pray for them? But don't stop with prayer. 
then begin to share Christ with them, all right? So I want to give you a real simple tool to share your faith, and we use this acronym called BLESS. Touch your neighbor and say, bless you. Touch your other neighbor and say, you were blessed to be a blessing, okay? So we use this real simple acronym called BLESS, and it's just a, a simple lifestyle of personal vengeance. It's more than a strategy. It's a lifestyle. And the Bible said to Abraham, I blessed you to be a blessing, we are the spiritual children of Abraham. God has blessed you so you could be a blessing. Not just to your Christian friends. Not just to your church. God wants you to be a blessing to people far from him. He wants you to take one more thief on the cross with you to heaven. Come on, somebody. So here's what BLESS stands for real quick. I'm going to give it to you. Uh, just finished a new book on this. Uh, that we're going to make available for free for Cornerstone Church. So all of you will, will get a copy. It has Pastor, Tongue's bless, Pastor Young's blessing, so you'll get a free, all of you will get a free digital copy. But bless stands for this. Everyone say begin with prayer. Uh, let's try that again, this time in your out loud voices. Everybody say begin with prayer. Yeah. One more time, like you mean it, say begin with prayer. Yeah. All right, L stands for say it with me real loud, say listen to them. Louder, say, listen to them. Touch your neighbor, say, listen to them. All right, E stands for eat with them. Everybody say, eat with them. Roll loud, say, eat with them. This is my favorite part of evangelism, <laughs> is eating with people. All right, it was Jesus' thing. One of the things he did the most was eat with sinners. Eat with notorious sinners, the Bible says. People far from God. Listen, don't be afraid of sinners. You were one of them once. <laughs> and you might be a saved sinner, okay? You might still have some sin in your life that you need forgiveness of, okay? Don't be afraid of lots of people. Don't be afraid of people from other religions. Love them. Jesus loved people so well. And the way that we save people, the way we win people is by loving them. And we eat, eating with people is an incredible act of love and friendship at the supper table. Things can happen that don't happen anywhere else. Eat with them. S stands for serve them. Everybody say serve them. Serve. Touch your neighbor and say you got to serve somebody. <laughs> Bob Dylan said you're going to serve somebody. It might be the Lord. It might be the devil. But you're going to serve somebody. Amen. And I can quote Bob Dylan because he's a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. You can serve somebody. The last S is share Jesus. Everybody say share Jesus. So begin with prayer, listen to them, eat with them, serve them, and share Jesus. And this whole process is evangelism. It's not just sharing of the gospel. The moment you start praying for somebody, evangelism has begun. Pray for them, get to know them, listen to them, hear their pain, their hurts, their fears, their doubts. Eat with them, break bread, serve them, find the need in their life, and meet it because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And then ask God for the opportunity to share the gospel. Years ago, I was in my, in my car, and I was listening to the, to the radio, and uh, I heard this announcement that the president of our city council in the city of Albuquerque had passed a new bill. And I said, man, that stinking kin, <laughs> he did it again. He was so liberal. He supported the most wicked stuff in our city. And he'd been in office for 20 years. 
and just awful. And the president of the city council, very influential. Most years, nobody would even, no candidate, we couldn't get any candidate to run against him. He'd win 80% of the vote. So nobody, years, nobody would even run against him. So many years he ran unopposed. And I said, man, that stinking Ken did it again. And he passed a city ordinance that affected my children in public school. And I was mad. You remember I said I'm half German, half Hispanic. Let me tell you, I was mad. <laughs> and not just righteous indignation, okay? I was mad. I didn't cuss, but maybe I wanted to, if you understand what I'm saying. I was so mad, and I was like, mm, Ken, <laughs> And I said, God, get him out of power. Remove him from office. You know, either by scandal, by, you know, death, whatever it takes, Lord, just get him out of office. I was so mad. And I was about to pick up my phone and call a friend of mine because I was part of a network uh, and we would help evangelicals run for office, for political office. And so I was going to call my friend Vince and say, man, who can we run against Ken? We got to get him out in the next cycle. We're going to get this guy out of office. I, I can't take this anymore. I'm a gatekeeper to my city and wickedness is being elevated and righteousness is being squashed and I cannot take it anymore. And as I'm saying that, the spirit of God convicts me. And it says, you never prayed for Ken with love in your heart. And so I'm not listening to your prayers. And I said, get behind me, Satan. Holy Spirit said, you can't bind me. I'm God. I was like, oh, I had a bad feeling that was God, you know. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, Holy Spirit, you know. And so I, I was so shook, I pulled my car over to the side of the freeway. And I was trembling under the fear of God. And I argued with God. I said, but God, he's wicked. He does wicked stuff in our city. He's elevating wickedness. He should be removed from office. He said, I love Ken. I want you to love Ken too. He said, I want you to be, become Ken's friend and show him my love. And I want you to serve Ken Sanchez. And I said, God, if I become Ken's friend... <laughs> My pastor friends are going to persecute me. We're going to lose churches from our network. I mean, if I'm, he's funded by the abortion industry. If I, oh my, this is going to be bad. And God said, I love Ken. And I want you to love him too. So I called his assistant. I said, hey, I'm, I'm Pastor Allen from this network and such and such. And I'd like to take, uh, you know, city councilor Ken Sanchez out to lunch. She said, of course, Reverend Allard, I'll make that happen as soon as possible. A week goes by. That day, I started praying for Ken every day by name. I wrote his name down in my journal, and every day I would pray for Ken. Every morning, not for an hour. I'll pray an hour for my wife and kids. I didn't pray for Ken for an hour, but a few minutes, I would pray for him. Maybe at evening again, I would pray for Ken a few minutes and just, Father, save him. I'll open his heart to the gospel. Help me to, like, become his friend and uh, help me, Lord, to love him. There's so many things about him I do not like. And uh, so a week later, we, we, he wanted to meet at this Mexican restaurant near his office. He was a very successful owner of a big uh, CPA accounting firm. And so we went to this little Mexican restaurant. And uh, we sat down, and, and Ken says, uh, Pastor Al, I've heard many great things about you and the great work that your ministry does here in our city. And it's such a privilege to meet you. Thank you for calling and inviting me to lunch. I'm just so grateful. And I'm like, ah, what am I doing here? You know, and I'm like, oh, 
thank you, Ken. And he goes, yeah, I'm just, you know, so grateful for your leadership in our city. Uh Uh-huh, thank you. And I feel the Spirit prompting me to say something that I do not want to say. And I'm like, do not make me say this out loud. (laughs) And I feel these words come up and I say, thank you, Ken. And I want to thank you for your leadership in our community. And I'm like, how did I just say that? (laughs) I've been praying against his leadership in our city. I'm not grateful for his leadership. How how can I say that, Lord? How could you make me say that, you know? He goes, oh, thank you, Reverend Allard. You know, he goes, now I know we're from different political parties, and I understand that you're pro-life and, you know, and all these things. And, you know, I've read a little bit about you. But thank you that you would come have lunch with me. And I'm like, And so we had lunch, and I discovered, you know, he's actually a really nice guy. So at the end of lunch, I said, you know, Ken, here, here's the deal. You and I disagree on a lot of issues, a lot of issues. And I'm like, don't bring up the ordinance from last week. Don't bring it up. Don't bring it up, Allard. Just keep your mouth shut, you know. And so I was like, we disagree on a lot of things, many things, most things, you know. And so I was like, but you know what? We're both fathers, And we both want our children to grow up in a safe city. So at the end of the day, we're both just two men who want our city to get better. And we might have different opinions about how to get there. But at the end of the day, we're really just two guys who want our city to improve. I said, I want you to know that God put you on my heart, Ken. And about a week ago, I began praying for you. I pray for you every day by name. And I won't stop. And just know that I love you. And I'm here to serve you. And to be your f- 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 friend. And uh, he goes, thank you. Can we take a picture together? No. <laughs> Please don't put that on social media. I'll lose all my churches from my network. Please don't put that on social media. And he was, you know, I was like, oh, my gosh, you know. And so we became friends. So uh, one day we're doing this big outreach for 10,000 people. It's a million dollars. We're giving away a million dollars of groceries 3,000 pairs of shoes to kids. We got a medical clinic. And so I invite him to come as my guest and as president of city council, you know, to share a few words at our press conference. And so he's there and Chick-fil-A is there feeding 10,000 people and he loves Chick-fil-A. And so it's a chicken restaurant in America. And so we're there and, and he says, Reverend Allard, thank you for inviting me to be part of your outreach. I've never seen, because I grew up in Albuquerque. I've been in public office 20. I've never seen anything like this. This is the best outreach our city's ever had. He goes, how much did the city support you? I said, well, the mayor, you know, he gave us the, the building for free, but you know, uh, it's worth about $80,000. But besides that, no money. Well, next year, I'll make sure we, we pay for everything. And I said, thank you. Thank you. So he said, what else? Do you? I said, well, I lead the national Day of prayer in the civic plaza. How much does that cost? I said, a couple of thousand. He goes, I'll pay for it. Let me be your sponsor for National Day Prayer. So next we're at National Day Prayer. And so he didn't come for two years. The third year I said, Ken, you pay for our National Day Prayer, but you've never come. <laughs> Could you come to National Day Prayer that you're paying for? Could you come see where your money's going? And so he came. There's 2,500 people there. It's on television. It's being televised. And he comes. And I said, you know, as president of city council, would you get up and just give a greeting on behalf of the city? And so he stood up and he gave a greeting. I get a text from a pastor in town of a mega church. And he goes, how dare you have Ken on your platform for National Day Prayer? I'm so offended. 
I'm like, you're so offended, you didn't even bother to show up. Okay, whatever, you know? So, and so I text him back. I'm like, listen, man, we can talk about this later. I got a national prayer event. We got 150 churches here involved. And the mayor's here and the lieutenant governor's here. And so, man, and the chief of police. So we can talk later. He texts me back. He goes, you know, do you know what kind of person Ken is? He's a sinner. And I said, well, I assume that because he's human. So, I mean, yeah, I kind of figured that he was a sinner. And did you know he's a Democrat? I said, yeah, you know, I figured that out. And he goes, did you know he's this and that? I said, listen, man, I don't got, I'm leading a prayer event. I've got time to fight with you through text, man. And so I'm just like, oh, boy, here it goes. So we're in the prayer of the service, and I, I said to Ken, hey, why don't we break in groups and pray in groups of three? So I held his hand, the hand of another Democrat city counselor, and, and uh, three of us, that was my prayer group. And I start praying over Ken. Father, thank you for Ken. God, I pray you would bless him. God, show him the love of your son. Father, I pray that you'd reveal the son Jesus to him, that he would know how much Jesus loves him, how much Jesus died for every one of his sins and every one of my sins. Father, there's nothing he's done that you couldn't forgive because you released grace upon the cross that Ken might have eternal life through the name of your son, Jesus. God, I pray you'd prosper his business. And God, I pray you would help him and strengthen him, bless him with good health and long life. And Father, I pray all this to the name of your son. And I felt a teardrop hit my hand and I opened my eyes and he's weeping tears coming down his his face several of his tears landed on my hand and I thought of the nail scarred hands where the son of God had shed his blood for kin so he called me up he says hey what is this uh, love ABQ thing I said well we're going to serve the city of Albuquerque for a whole week to serve the city. He goes, I want to be a part of that. And I'll give you $30,000 from the city for that. I said, okay. He goes, hey, would you come speak at city council? And I said, city council. Yeah, that beautiful city council that passes the most wicked laws for my children and my city. Sure, I'll come speak. And he introduces me as, as his spiritual guide. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't take any credit or blame. I, you know, please don't put that on me. And afterwards, all these liberal senators and people come up and say, oh, you're Ken's pastor. I said, pastor's a very loose term. And I said, we're, we're, we're friends. And I, I'm praying for Ken. They're like, interesting. I'm like, oh boy, you know. And so one day, these group of Chinese government officials come to our city. And I get a phone call. Hey, would you host these Chinese government officials? and the, the Catholic bishops of China. Would you host them? And I'm like, uh, okay. So I called up Ken. Hey, do you want to help host some government on behalf of the city? And I called our lieutenant governor. Hey, you guys want to have dinner with some Chinese government officials and some Chinese bishop? They said, sure. So we go to dinner and, and uh, they asked Ken, so how long have you been in public office? He said, 20 years. And he goes and he goes and my friend, Pastor Albert, he goes, he loves the city. And I'm working with him to change the city of Albuquerque. I'm just like, oh God. A few months later, we have another big outreach at our city convention. I said to Ken, how, how'd you like to come be with me to open the doors at the convention center on behalf of the city? I'll, I'll represent the faith community. You represent the government of Albuquerque. And together, the two of us open the front doors and we welcome the people as 10,000 people flood into the convention center to receive a million dollars worth of goods and services. He said, you would want me? 
said, Ken, I'd be so honored if you'd come stand with me. For four hours, we shook hands. As everybody came in, we shook every hand. He's crying. We get done, and he said, Pastor Howard, this changed my life. Thank you so much. He says, I, I got to go. So he went to our green room, and I could tell he he'd come undone. He called me that night and he said, Pastor, I, I need to take you to lunch next week. Can I take you to lunch? I said, the same little Mexican restaurant at the hole in the wall by your office. He said, that's what I'm like. Can I take you to a nicer restaurant? There's, there are better Mexican restaurants. He goes, no, 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 it's right by my office. I said, all right, Ken, let's go there. So we show up at his restaurant, we're eating chips and salsa, uh, which I'm pretty sure in the, in, the, in the Hebrew is called manna. It's just beautiful, beautiful, delicious chips and salsa just delicious, the Lord's, the Lord's food, heavenly food, and uh, we're eating chips and sauce, and he goes, that was, that changed my life last week, Pastor. Thank you for letting me be part of that event. He goes, you know, Pastor, he goes, I, I was baptized as a baby, and uh, at a certain church in town, and I said, yeah, I, I know the church, and he goes, you know, I, I go to church every now and then for weddings and funerals, and as a city government official, you know, there's things, things that happen at churches, and he says, but you know, I mean, so I've grown up around Christianity, but you know, I've never really had anything. When I'm with you, I feel something different. I feel something warm inside my heart. I said, Ken, that's Jesus. Jesus loves you, Ken. Jesus died for you, Ken. And he loves you and he wants you to have a relationship with him. And it's so easy. You just have to believe that he's God. And you have to be willing to repent of your sins. Would you be willing to do that, Ken? He put his chip down in the salsa bowl. He said, I would. And there of a bowl of chips and salsa, Kim gave his life to Jesus Christ. Yeah. Two weeks later, Kim had a massive stroke, was hospitalized. The Christmas Eve, 2019, Ken's assistant called me. She said, Pastor, he doesn't have long to live, and you're his pastor. The family's agreed for Ken's pastor. Never, never once visited my church, but he was his pastor. So the family said, you're the only guest. No one has, not even the mayor has been allowed to see him in the hospital. Only family, but the family said, you're Ken's pastor. They want you to come. None of them were believers. I get to his hospital room, they said he's been on life support for a couple weeks now. He hasn't spoken. I get in the hospital, there's about 20 of his family there. His assistant says, Ken, Ken, Pastor Allard's here. He opened his eyes. His daughter, <gasps> dad opened his eyes. He turns his head. She goes, he hasn't moved his head in two weeks. And he looks at me and he squeezes my hand three times. And his daughter's, his eldest daughter's next to me. And she goes, my dad hasn't moved his hand in weeks. He squeezed my hand three times. I looked at his eyes and I said, kid, Jesus loves you, kid. So I began to preach the gospel. And I said, kid, I remember two weeks ago at that little Mexican, you know, restaurant in the hole in the wall a few weeks ago. 
As we had chips and salsa, you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I know, Ken, that no, you'd want nothing more than your whole family would put their faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. All your kids and grandkids, I know that there's nothing you would want more, right, Ken? And he kind of blinked at me. <laughs> and I said, and I know that you, they, they would do the same thing that you did, that you would put your faith in Jesus Christ. And he blinked again. I said, so Ken, I release you to go to heaven. I pray that God will heal you. If that doesn't happen, though, I'll release you to, to go to heaven. And uh, Ken blinked one last time, and I prayed over him, and I prayed over the family. Three days later, Ken passed into eternity. I was on my way driving to Oklahoma. I wept, pulled the car over, wept for an hour at a gas station. And I said, Lord, Father, forgive me that for 20 years I judged Ken. For 20 years, my religious pride kept me away from him. Forgive me, and I'll never do that again by your grace. Help me to love the people you love, the people who vote differently than me, think differently than me, believe differently than me. Help me to love them with your love and never again. And I will carry Ken Sanchez in my heart. Who are the kins in your life that you despise, that you think less of, that you don't like? God wants to save them through you. Stand to your feet. Years ago, my brother John became an addict, went to prison for stealing my identity. I prayed for him. I listened to him. I ate with him so many times. I served my brother. I shared the gospel with him. He went from a, just a brilliant scholar to an addict, a homeless man. He went to prison for stealing my identity 24 times. I never stopped praying for him. Because the Bible says in Acts 16, 31, the Philippian jailer said to Paul, what must we do to be saved? And Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus with all your heart and you shall be saved. You and your whole household. Touch your neighbor and say you. Say you and your whole household. Touch your other neighbor and say, you and your whole family shall be saved. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve. God wants to save your whole family. And not just your whole family, but the kins in your life, the people you despise, the people you don't like. You might have a few politicians in Singapore that aren't righteous. God wants to save them. There might be some business people that are wicked. God wants to save them. There might be some bad people in your circle. God wants to save them. And God wants to save your whole family. My brother got out of prison in 2010. He was dying of hepatitis C. He called me and said, Brian, would you pray for me? I prayed for him. God healed him instantly of hepatitis C. A year later, he went to Springfield, Missouri. He went to the Assembly God College there, Bible College. And then he went to the, do his master's degree. He graduated with a 4.0 with his master's degree after 15 years on heroin. The president of the university said, John, I just had this idea that you should come up to be when you're class speaker, you should come up in your prison, in your orange prison jumpsuit, get borrow one from the prison where you have a prison ministry and come up in your orange prison jumpsuit 
And then we're going to come behind you and cover you with a black graduation robe and put the cap on your head. Now he has two beautiful children. That's my brother right there in his orange prison jumpsuit graduating from Assembly God Theological Seminary. The next photo of his wife, Hannah, his two beautiful children, Phoenix, Brooklyn. He now has a church and seven addiction recovery homes for addicts like himself. See, God is a God of restoration. He's a God of redemption. Wherever you failed, wherever the people you've loved felt, God can restore, God can redeem. So I'd like to ask you to do this. If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes. If there's a John in your life, someone in your family far from God, an aunt, an uncle, a brother, sister, a father, mother, a son, a daughter, grandson, granddaughter, cousin, and they're far from God, would you just raise your hand to the Father right now? Just raise your hand right where you're at. Look at all these hands going up. If you have a, someone you love who's far from God, just lift them up right now. We're going to pray for them because the Bible said, you and your whole household shall be saved. You stand on the Word of God. You stand on the Word of God. Acts 16, 31, me and my whole household, my whole family shall be saved. That means every aunt, every uncle, every cousin, every son, every daughter, every grandson, every granddaughter, every father, every mother, every brother, every sister shall be saved in Jesus' name. Father, we lift their names up to your throne right now. God, we pray you will save them and you will use us to pray for them, to listen to them, to eat with them, to serve them, and to share with them. In Jesus' name, open your eyes. This blessed lifestyle revolves around five action verbs. We call these five lifestyle commitments. Everyone say pray. Say listen. Eat. Serve. Share. One more time. Pray. Listen. Eat. Serve. And share. So who's your plus one? Who's the one person you're going to go after? But I would challenge you, not just one. Would you expand your faith? Would there be maybe five people you could start praying for by name every day? A coworker, a classmate, a teammate, a friend, a neighbor, an acquaintance, a family member. Lift. You could take five minutes a day and pray for five people. You could listen to them. You could eat with them. You could serve them. And say, God, give me opportunities to share the gospel. Benny Ho's going to be doing a training here. He's going to train you how to exactly do that, how to share your faith. But stretch your faith and believe with me. I want you to right now lift up both your hands to the Lord. Say this prayer with me. Say, Father. Come on, say his name like you love him. Say, Father. I will pray. Say it louder. Say, I will pray for people far from God. I will listen to them. I will eat with them. I will serve them, and I will share Jesus with them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, take 10 seconds. Give God your biggest, baddest praise. Come on. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. 
We hope that you have been blessed.